0: Welcome to another episode of Battle Blank Podcast, Tim. It's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Finally, after all these times, we got it in the books, got it back again. I wanted to have you back on because there's a few things we really didn't discuss. We kind of jumped right into the Kennedy subject on the last one, but I wanted to get your understanding of who Lyndon Johnson was as a president. Feel free to give me the what the public probably thinks of when they think of Lyndon Johnson, and then give me what you've learned through your research on Lyndon Johnson. Obviously, the Johnson politics is kind of the, the fun little route.
1: Yeah, well, there's a couple of interesting things about Lyndon Johnson as president. Uh, and and even as, well, he had more obviously power as president, but as vice president, he actually lost a lot of his power because he had been Speaker of the House and able to influence so much else in our government through that position. Um, that is a very powerful position. Um, so um, we all know uh, how he became president, and there's a lot of uh, conjecture there about that. But uh, as president, um, well, and, and one backdrop to that, as vice president, he actually uh, ordered uh, the murders of two individuals uh, as vice president. I think we've talked about that before. Um, as president, he is probably remembered for uh, passing the first uh, sweeping uh, social uh, uh, bill, if you will, called the Great Society. and. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of that. I think it was called the Great Society uh, or something like that. Uh, It was was the first big uh, social reform type of legislation uh, aimed at uh, a more equitable distribution of government benefits to people who needed it. Um, So he's remembered for that. Um, He is also uh, in a negative way remembered as the president who uh, increased our presence in Vietnam and uh, furthered the causes of a lot of people that uh, he was kind of in cahoots with Texas big oil, the American industrial military complex, and things like that. Um, so uh, his whole uh, and he's also, of course, remembered for forming the Warren Commission, which uh, uh, his uh, his advisors told him as he came up for reelection, uh, that if he didn't uh, put to bed all of the uh, quote unquote, conspiracy theories involving uh, uh, President Kennedy's assassination that uh, it would hurt his chances for election. And so he he uh, he formed that commission. Uh, he didn't even tell any of the members of the commission uh, before he announced it, which is interesting. Uh, he put Alan Dulles, who Kennedy had fired as the head of the CIA in charge of the Warren Commission. Dulles hated Kennedy with a passion. And uh, most people these days know that the Warren Commission uh, was formed with a uh, a uh, 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 a decision already uh, given to them, that they would find Oswald as the lone shooter, that they would disavow any conspiracies uh, as to who might have killed Kennedy, that they would not Uh, Enter into the record any witnesses who had a differing opinion of what had gone on in Dealey Plaza, uh, including the number of shots, uh, uh, you know who may have been involved, et cetera, et cetera. So the Warren Commission was a a, was a puppet committee uh, with their outcome already predecided, and there were several members of the Warren Commission who were fairly vocal after after it was published, including, uh, as you know. uh, the gentleman uh forgetting the name now who disappeared on the plane flight never to be seen again uh can't can't bring his dad hey, no 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 uh oh, no hail
0: H- H- oh
1: hail H- 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 Boggs hail H- Boggs thank you very much yeah so uh yeah he disappeared uh on a, he went had gone to Alaska to uh help uh politic for uh you know a fellow uh politician and they both disappeared on a flight uh and have never been seen since the plane has never been found uh none of the wreckage uh just disappeared quote-unquote in the thin air uh hard to believe but that's what happened um and ultimately what uh caused uh Johnson not to run for president in 1968 excuse me last uh I thought I had turned that down sorry um was it was the Vietnam War um, you know, he, he was beginning to feel guilty and, uh, and that weighed heavily on his decision not to run again. So, uh, now as time has gone on and he has been judged as to his actions as a senator, as a vice president, as president, uh, there's a lot that has come out about things that he did, uh, while in office, uh, while in those three roles that, uh, Today would have landed him in prison with absolute certainty so he's uh, and, uh my co-author and I Gary Fannin, who you know uh have decided that uh, there are five books currently uh our next book is going to be called uh, uh, lBJ Marked for Death with a subtitle of the Texas Antichrist and uh personally fitting, fitting. I mean this Uh, the fact that there's anything in this country named after LBJ is a travesty and it should be eliminated, including his presidential library. Um, He was a murderer. Uh, He was ruthless. Um, You know, there is a story uh, I've heard. It supposedly came from a uh, a Secret Service agent who witnessed it uh, two days after Kennedy's assassination uh, Johnson was in the white house. Uh, Jacqueline Kennedy was still in the white house, you know, getting prepared to move out, obviously. And, uh, one of the things that Jacqueline was most proud of as, uh, as first lady was the rose garden that she had, uh, you know, had put in the white house, very beautiful rose garden. And, uh, according to this secret service agent, um, Johnson is outside the White House, uh, near near or at the Rose Garden, and he looks up and sees Jacqueline looking out from the second floor and proceeds to, uh, in full view of her, urinate on the roses in the Rose Garden. Uh, You know, which sounds completely like something he would do. Um, It's the ultimate F.U., Uh, just like him demanding that Jackie be on the airplane, on Air Force One, when he was sworn into office. Uh, There was no reason for her to be there, but he literally demanded that she would be there uh, in her blood splattered pink suit uh, while they took the oath of office. And of course, there's the famous photograph of him winking Texas uh, right before taking the oath of office. So Johnson... uh, to say he was evil is probably an understatement. Um, and I don't know what his what most people think of his legacy. I think most people have no idea of some of the atrocities that he committed uh, in his lifetime to gain power, to move to the next position. Um, and I mean, the very first one that we know of, of course, was the uh, Box 13 scandal when he was running for senator. and. Uh, when the first vote was over he had lost and all of a sudden they come up with 236 votes out of nowhere um they're all the same name they're all in you know uh, if they weren't the same name they're all in alphabetical order of the 236 votes one was for his uh, uh opponent the rest were for him the strength of that uh the texas voting commission or whatever they were called ruled that those votes were legal And of course, he and he won that election and uh, became senator. So from way back in 1948, uh, people knew that uh, he was not above board, you know. Uh, His campaign manager uh, during that election was none other than uh, soon to be governor of Texas, Connolly. Um, so that's very interesting as well. Uh, he and Connolly had been in bed forever, and uh, and of course, it, what is most amazing uh, to me, at least, is that during the uh, assassination, uh, Connolly was riding right in front of President Kennedy. Uh, Johnson did not want that, but Kennedy told him he's going to have to sit somewhere else, or we're not going to have a uh, we're not going to have a parade. And uh, Connie was, in fact, the one who convinced Kennedy to come to Dallas uh, in November when he was assassinated. There's a lot of real murky, clandestine stuff that has gone on, uh, uh, in you know, on behalf of Lyndon Johnson, uh, going at least way back to 1948 uh, through his press. And another thing I will tell you that I believe uh, is that. Um, we know that Kennedy was going to have us out of Vietnam completely by the end of 1964. I think there had been something like 87 deaths in Vietnam before Kennedy got assassinated. And immediately, Kennedy revoked, or Johnson revoked Kennedy's uh, 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 memo to that effect, presidential uh, executive order. Thank you. Um, Johnson revoked that. First thing he did as president, revoked that and invoked his own that began sending more troops to Vietnam. So in my mind, he is responsible for 55,000 deaths in Vietnam uh, through his actions.
0: I'm agnostic on Vietnam because I think everyone's basing it off of the fact that Kennedy was experiencing real change and that he probably would have pulled out troops. I like to think so, but we just don't have evidence and we don't know because he was killed before anything could really happen. But one thing, like I, I don't believe Johnson. Well, Robbie, to...
1: I, I beg to differ on that
0: Okay, because his,
1: his executive order is a matter of record and he had issued an executive order to have all troops out of Vietnam by 1964. When by the was that
0: executive? By the end of
1: 1964?
0: Yes. Okay. That what? is a fact. Okay. But that bill never went in and never got because Kennedy
1: was killed, right? Uh, no. No, he never had a chance to uh, enforce it or to uh, engage the right authorities to make sure it was carried out.
0: But didn't Kennedy supply troops to Vietnam on the
1: pressures of someone else? Not to my knowledge. He inherited Vietnam. We had been in Vietnam since, I think, 1957. And it could have been even before that because uh, uh, it is now pretty much a known fact that the CAA was uh, uh, bringing heroin in through uh, Laos, through South Vietnam, and uh, making a lot of money off of it um, because the heroin was being brought into the United States for sale and distribution. And uh, they were using the funds for that to uh, uh, finance all of their skunk work projects all over the globe, uh, monies that never had to be accounted for uh, to anyone. And uh, and so the CIA had a very a heavily vested interest in continuing the war on Vietnam. Uh, I and I'll I say, because
0: for is- most historians I've spoken with, they've talked about that Kennedy was pressured. Kennedy did send more troops into Vietnam, but what the eventual goal was to pull out with that bill that you mentioned earlier but that never went to fulfillment.
1: I I I find that hard to believe. He was also, for a couple of reasons, I mean, he may have sent people there, but I don't think they were American soldiers. I think they went under, they went in there under the auspices of being advisors, quote unquote. Um, and I believe that's all we had in Vietnam uh, while Kenny was in office. I mean, there may have been a few soldiers to ensure their safety or something, but the soldiers were not sent there for combat quote-unquote um kenny was quoted as saying in regards to the vietnam war it's their war let them fight it uh he did not believe we belong there and again that's ultimately why he issued the uh, president the uh, uh uh memo uh to get us out of vietnam by the end of 1964.
0: Like i said i would still be agnostic on it because i think you can look at both sides have plenty of evidence to support either theory on that
1: one yeah but I th- and, and let me just let me just make a comment on that robbie i can understand you're being agnostic however um if you're one of those people who was uh a i came very close to being drafted uh to go to vietnam but if you have ever been at the uh the wall in washington dc and had to put a piece of paper up to uh, get the name of someone who you knew who died in that war i would suggest you would not be as agnostic well
0: my grandpa fought in vietnam so i mean but he, he survived did not die. But he did yeah, not die. He didn't die. But I think that there's plenty of evidence. And I, that's why you said it was a con- controversial and when, before you even stated the Vietnam thing was because there's varying opinions on it. I don't think there's a conclusive. I Like I said, I like to think that he would have pulled out. But that's a topic that I would stay agnostic on, just on the factor of you're basing it off of his recent changes and decisions while in office compared to what he was actually implementing, which is what most historians go off of. I think Johnson sped it up and made it worse. I think Johnson continued to just make it that he's he should be the one that should be known for it.
1: I totally agree. I don't think Kennedy was known for the Vietnam War. I don't think anybody would ever say it was Kennedy's fault. Uh, but for the escalation, I agree with you 100 percent. People would say uh, people who know would say it was Johnson who did it, uh, who was responsible. And that's why I uh, repeat what I said before. In my mind, he's responsible for 55,000 deaths in vietnam uh, and should burn in hell for it jesus it, it was all done to uh line the pockets of his buddies in texas yeah. the american industrial military complex the cia everybody they were all in bed with him and uh man's evil he's just evil
0: i think yeah i have a different take on johnson i don't like him um but i think that his way of doing politics was quite interesting, mostly because I think he was the only person that probably could have made Hoover retire, even though he made Hoover stay in office till life, whatever, he gave him the whole. Ah, uh, title and everything. But there's a quote from him staying where I'd rather have Hoover on the inside of the tent pissing out than on the outside pissing in. And even though they were friends, I there's a weird thing that Johnson politics, if you ever see him handshake somebody and he's leaning all the way over him, I go, him and Hoover could easily have just butted heads and just but they both probably had dirt on each other, had that deadly friendship, you know, where they both had blackmail on each other. But Johnson was the only person in my mind that I could think of that could have put Hoover or matched him and made him retire. And in my, in my opinion, if it would have went, they would have not uh, had this good relationship or this black male relationship. Johnson could easily got Hoover right out of office or right out of his position.
1: Yeah, I I, I do agree with you. Uh, they were in what I call a deadly embrace, right? Because they did have dirt on each other. And so they were kind of, it was like a Mexican standoff or one of those things, right? And uh yeah uh, they they knew each other very well. They lived next door to each other for a large number of years. they were they were uh, they were best of friends, each of them knowing that the other could do the other serious harm uh, uh, to their careers if they wanted to. And that's why they never did. And um, you know, Kennedy had already told Hoover that when he hit seventy during Kennedy's next administration that he was going to be forced to retire. And the first one of the very first things Johnson did was name Hoover uh, FBI Director for Life. So uh, that was, in some regards, a payback to Hoover uh, for his involvement uh, in the county assassination.
0: so i I think Hoover and Johnson's careers are the two clearest examples of complete corruption uh, when it comes to positions of power in our office, whether it was money that they were getting or whether it was just the way that they did business. And when things with blackmail, I think if you look at them, they both had probably what I would call the more not alpha, but the more like fraternity bro style of leadership that everyone can point at and be like, that's insane that that's in our office right now or at the time.
1: Well, I, yeah, to whether it was fraternity brother or something else. Um, no one dared question their authority. And if they did, uh, they would face some kind of reprimand for that. Um, no one questioned Hoover. Uh, and if they did so within the FBI, uh, they did it very, very quietly. And the same thing with Johnson. Johnson was known as a, as a guy you did not mess with. You did not uh, question. You did not... Uh, seek to undermine his authority because if he found out, uh, Lord knows what could have happened.
0: Now, one of the people that you mentioned that got killed in their car was shot a couple of times. Um, I think and then there was a carbon monoxide tube that was put in there to make it look like it was going to be a suicide or something did that guy mess up mess with johnson's oil plants or something to do with one of his companies that he had because i think i was looking deeper into that when you mentioned it and they were talking about mac wallace's connection to it and how mac wallace even got on the scene about it but it was about some business interests that uh lbj had through big oil um and that there wasn't i guess they tried to pay him off and it didn't work or he wouldn't accept the uh bribe or something like that or the replacement and he ended up getting just killed
1: yeah um that was uh, and by the way this happened while johnson was vice president uh there was an agricultural uh executive in texas that threatened to expose uh johnson's dealings with uh, Billy Solestes, um with illegal uh cotton allotments and basically what they were doing, it was like a pyramid scheme. So they would they would kind of sell it and then buy it back, and it was totally illegal. Uh, uh, some considered it a legal form of money laundering, if you will, but this uh, agricultural executive, uh, while Johnson was vice president, threatened to, Henry Marshall was his name, uh, he threatened to uh, uh, make that public, right? And so uh, Johnson uh, attempted to bribe him, By offering him a position in Washington, Uh, he refused the bribe. All right. Uh, This guy had a a big farm in Texas somewhere, not sure where. Um, So Johnson, Mac Wallace, I think it was Billy Solestes, and one other gentleman met to discuss what they should do about it. And uh, Johnson said, let's get rid of him. And so he dispatched Mac Wallace. Who was his hitman, to dispatch the guy. And uh, um, so uh, Mac Wallace went to the farm, found Henry Marshall uh, way out in the middle of nowhere on his farm, and shot him uh, a couple of times, right? Then he puts the guy in the car, right? And proceeds to make it look like he died of carbon monoxide poisoning, right? Now, the interesting part of that is that the uh, whoever the sheriff of that county was uh, by the way a day a day passed before his family finally found him and uh and i think he was at this point leaning against the car you know slumped against the car on the ground uh, with the rifle next to him um, and they uh they they claimed it was suicide right forget about the carbon monoxide poisoning even though that he did have a lethal amount of carbon dioxide in his body at the autopsy but his family found him reported the police sheriff comes out um and they uh the sheriff ruled it a suicide right um how does a guy shoot himself three times with a shotgun you don't do that so interestingly enough and against texas law no autopsy was done so his family kept uh, pursuing this. And I think it was some 20 years later, they finally uh, uh, got a, uh, exhumed his body, uh, did another kind of necropsy or autopsy or what have you, and uh, and got the official cause of death changed to uh, uh, either manslaughter or murder or something like that. But nobody, of course, Uh, was ever brought to trial. Mac Wallace was dead. Johnson was dead. Uh, I think probably anybody that was involved uh, was dead. And so uh, this is just another one of uh, many heinous crimes committed by Lyndon Johnson to uh, to stay in power because had that come out, um, he would have been removed from office at some point.
0: Could you explain to me a little bit more about Billy Celestes, who he was, and kind of what he was to Johnson, at least, because I think we talked a lot about Mac Wallace, which we can get to later on. But Billy Celestis, I know he said something after he got arrested and actually came out with a statement. But I think, you know, it was a lot of people didn't believe him when he said it. But I think it's a lot of the stuff that you've talked about in the past, which I'm wondering, is that is that who you go off of is Billy Celestis?
1: I don't know who he is. Yeah, well, he was a Johnson crony. Um, he was involved in the illegal uh, cotton allotment scheme. Um uh, and he was party to most of the uh, murders that Johnson ordered. And when I say he was party to, um, again, there was this little gang of four. I can't remember the fourth gentleman's name, but it was Johnson, Billy Celestis, and Malcolm Wallace. Uh, uh, three or four musketeers, if you will. And uh, Billy Celestes was intimately involved. And he knew all of Johnson's dirty secrets besides murders. So at some point, and Johnson, I believe, was dead by this point, uh, Billy season went to jail. And he went to jail. Uh, it was, a, you know, the old, if we can't get him on this other stuff, we'll get him on income tax. And that's why he went to jail. That's why you pay
0: um, your taxes, people. They will screw you any way they can if you don't.
1: If you want to talk about another ruthless, along with the Federal Reserve, <laughs> bingo. The IRS and the Federal Reserve, boy. They answer to nobody. It's interesting. So anyway, um, uh, Billy Celeste spent some time in jail and in a bid to get out, he had his lawyer, uh, send, uh, a letter And this letter is, is it's a public letter. Anybody can find it. Um, he uh, offered in exchange for Billy Celeste's uh, getting out of prison and, and being, uh, given immunity forever on anything else, uh, provided a list of eight names of people that uh, Johnson had ordered killed um including Johnson's sister and including President Kennedy and uh I I do not remember what the outcome of that was I think whoever, whether it was the Department of Justice or whoever uh ultimately decided uh that the letter had no uh, valid validity to it and and just put it aside and never acted on it so and i'm not totally sure about this but billy celestes may still be alive i'm not sure um damn really possibly because i i uh saw a picture of him on facebook or something uh, Shit, not send
0: long him long. a friend request what are you Don't, doing
1: send him yeah, a friend right. request oh no 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 uh if he is still alive he's a very old man and uh
0: Hopefully he has like Alzheimer's or something. You might be able to get some cool information out of him.
1: Well, you never know. Um, it's uh, uh, There were so many shady people involved with Lyndon Johnson. Um, you know, Ed Clark, who ran uh, the most powerful law firm in Texas, who uh, Johnson was a client. And uh, Johnson's lawyer, uh, uh, a gentleman by who I know by the name of Barr McClellan, was Johnson's lawyer for... Six to eight years through, yeah, Clark Law Firm, uh, and Barr wrote a book called "Blood, Money, and Power: How LBJ yeah. Killed JFK," um, and and he said, "I know, as his lawyer, that uh, he killed John F. Kennedy to uh, be- become president and to stay out of jail." So, you know, Do you, you think- have some of that kind of knowledge of the man and his dealings and his power and the uh, the the depth of his uh, evilness, coming out with a book like that. Uh, you got to put a lot of credence to
0: it. Do you think the motive came from because he lost to JFK in the election or the campaigns?
1: That That's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. It, it, and I, there may have been some of that. Johnson wanted to be president more than he wanted to take his next breath.
0: Well, Nixon even stated in, an ex, I think, an ex, expletives, uh, there's an interview, you can look at it. He says, LBJ does not like to come in second. And, you know, the reason the difference between me and LBJ is LBJ, uh, I forgot what he said. He said LBJ had the the means or knew how to get to first or something like that. And Nixon didn't have the uh, uh, enthusiasm or the effort to want to get to go that far.
1: Actually, um, the quote, and I have to paraphrase it, was something along the lines of, I wanted to become president as well. I just wasn't willing to kill for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Something to that effect. I got Nick had, Nixon was as crooked as they come as well. You know, his old. I'm not a crook. <laughs> yeah, you are. You had uh, dealings the only with only few.
0: He's the only one that didn't have a sexual scandal, I feel like, though, because I think he in a lot of his speeches, if you analyze it, I think that's where his sexual politics came out, because he talks a lot about thrusting and sensitivity and climax and all this. And I'm like, there's no way that you speak like that normally, you weirdo.
1: Yeah, um, he was definitely uh, a weirdo. There's no doubt about it, but uh, but he was just as evil and, you know. Uh, He was at the Murchison party on November 21st, 1963, uh, along with Gerald Ford and head of the World Bank, head of the CIA, Hoover and others. Um, So he knew about it. You know, he just because all the men went into a room. Now, Nixon may not have gone in the room. I think he had left the party at that time. But I think I'm fairly certain he had knowledge of what was going to happen.
0: Now, is there any more information on the Merchants Party that went on besides Madeline Brown's just video interview talking about it? Because I need another source to try and look at that as proven.
1: Yeah, I believe uh, that uh, Merchants Housekeeper, as well, made some kind of mistake. That one of one of his housekeepers, there were many, uh, made a statement about uh, uh, who had been there. Um, I I don't have, you know, that factual information. I do remember hearing that um of course nobody nobody was there is going to admit to being there yeah because that would you know, automatically implicate them uh, it is a somewhat interesting that none of their underlings ever came forward to uh, to corroborate that but the way I look at what uh, Madeline Brown said was um there was no reason for her to say that um she knew Lyndon Johnson, as well as anybody, she bore his illegitimate child. And uh, if you've ever looked at a picture of the child, uh, he's a spitting image of Lyndon Johnson, you would know immediately uh, that it was his illegitimate son. So um, I, I, I believe her testimony. Uh, to the core, I, I have no reason to question it. And, and if that's all we have, in my opinion, that's enough.
0: What about Johnson and the way that he kind of ran as president when it came to like the deep political stuff obviously the more stigmatized stuff like we could talk about i mean there's varying different sexual things that happen with johnson in office that does not fit the description of what you want to have as a president but there's a lot of dark stuff about johnson i feel like the public just doesn't know but it's out there that information is real it is recorded by history books and by documentation but to me it's just fascinating you start looking deeper down into who he was i had a white house um ethics person on my show and he called me a conspiracy theorist for mentioning that Johnson pissed on a secret service member's leg and he used to show his balls around to people. I had to put a disclaimer in the episode with the factual proof of it.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, um, he was known and did it several times, uh, for, uh, pulling his, uh, Johnson out, uh, and saying, because I'm the president, that's why, right. Uh, several times. And, uh, Uh, His nickname for his Johnson was Jumbo. So fucking weird, man. I'm telling you. Apparently he was very proud of it. And, uh, and, and, you know, you know, there uh, actually was Nixon. It was Nixon or Johnson that was holding the dog up by the ears, not off the ground, but he kind of held the dog by the ears and lifted it up uh, with back feet still on the ground. It was either Johnson or Nixon. I don't know. I, I think it was Johnson, but I can't say for sure. But he was, uh, you know, he was rough, coarse, uh, profane. Uh, he uh, had a, 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 a reputation for being uh, an evil, uh, not an evil, but a uh, a nasty drunk. And he liked to drink. Um, that's one of the things Madeleine Brown made note of. That's why she didn't question him the night before when he made the comment about what was going to happen the next day. Uh, after the Murchison party, because she didn't want to confront him, he'd been drinking. So, yeah, I mean the man—he—he he bullied his way through his presidency. Let's put it that way. Um, his word—it was either you know, it's my way or the highway—way to characterize his presidency. And anybody gotten away, God help them. Gotta what,
0: what about the Secret Service? Do you think they feared him, or do you think that they respected him?
1: I think fear and respect go hand in hand to a degree, um, because you 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 earn respect one of two ways: you you either earn it through fear, or you earn it through um, you know being an upright person, being known as a man of his word. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's two ways you earn respect, um, you know, and Johnson's respect was earned through fear and intimidation. So yes, I think they respected him, but they don't respect him the way one might respect the Pope or might respect someone else, you know, in authority like that. I don't think a lot of Hoover's people respected him other than out of fear. Um, I think, uh, A lot of the uh, people in Germany respected Hitler out of fear rather than, oh, he's such a good guy and he's doing great things for everybody. So, yeah, I mean, uh, there there are thousands of stories about uh, things that went on during the Johnson presidency and and during his whole career in politics. Uh, It was all fear and intimidation, fear, uncertainty and doubt, the old FUD word. Um, That's how he ruled.
0: What about the relationship between him and Connolly?
1: Well, again, it goes way back to uh, as, at least the Box Thirteen scandal in nineteen forty-eight, and uh, um, again, what I think is most interesting is he he grudgingly agreed to put Connolly in the front seat of the uh, of the limousine during the uh, motorcade in Dallas. Um, Connolly never went. Never went after Johnson. I mean, it's interesting. That's how deep the friendship was. That um, You know, he had to know, Mrs. Conley, when he went into that front seat, that he was going to be in harm's way. Um, and I don't know if he talked to Kenny during the motorcade. Uh, Mrs. Conley, right before Kenny got shot, can't say Dallas doesn't love you. And then bang, right? Um, it's interesting, you know, the only thing Connolly did to call into question what happened in Dallas that day, uh, afterwards, um, he said, uh, uh, during a press conference that, uh, he was not hit by the same bullet that hit, uh, President Kennedy, which automatically throws the magic bullet theory right out the window, um but he also still had the bullet in his leg, which means, according to the Warren Commission, there's now a fourth shot. The Warren Commission claimed three, but here's four because it's still in his leg. Found on the stretcher, one bullet hit Kennedy, and another bullet completely missed, and that hit the gentleman in the underpass with a, a fleck of concrete. So, uh, the, you know, right there, Everything the Warren Commission claimed is thrown completely out the window, beyond any shadow of a doubt. So I think that was the only time that, and I don't think Kylie did it on purpose either. I don't think he understood the implications of what he was saying. Uh, But his admission or his claim that he was not hit by the same bullet that hit Kennedy, and given the fact that that bullet was still in his leg, um, is pretty interesting. But to my knowledge, he never openly uh, went against uh, Johnson for anything. Uh, They were thick, so to speak.
0: Can we discuss more about Air Force One after Kennedy's assassinated and the whole LBJ wink photograph who he was winking to and also just some maybe some conversations if you know of any that happened on Air Force One. I read over it because specifically looking at the missing code book um, that should have been there that wasn't there so they had to talk on open channels. but i think everyone knows the photograph but i mean jackie kennedy's covered in her husband's blood and she has to stand there with a tear in her eye as johnson's being sworn in which was just for show he didn't have to do that he immediately was president when kennedy was killed
1: yep that 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 was the uh, first official f u to the kennedys among several and uh we all know that uh the secret service had no right to take the president's body out of dallas county um because it was not a crime to kill the president at that time. So it was a plain and simple, it was a murder that took place in Dallas County. The Dallas County coroner should have done the autopsy. Um, Ultimately, as they're wheeling the uh, president's body out of uh, Parkland Hospital, um, and the coroner is right there protesting, this is a murder in Dallas County, the autopsy, the Secret Service knew that if he had done the autopsy, it would have thrown any conspiracy theory right out the window. Um, or this the idea that uh, Oswald was a lone shooter. And ultimately, the Secret Service drew guns on the coroner and uh, took Kenny's body illegally uh, out of the hospital and put it on Air Force One. Um, what's interesting is the uh, the casket that they ordered was, if it wasn't ordered... Before the assassination, it was ordered within minutes afterwards, I believe before the president had officially been declared dead. But so, you know, they got on Air Force One, the casket's now on board. If you look closely, picture of Johnson taking the oath of office with Jacqueline Kenney right beside him. And in my mind, when I look at her, I feel she was just in complete shock. Didn't really understand what was going on, and anyway, look closely at the picture, and in the back of the audience, there's about 18 people, you know, in the picture, and then there's a door going to the back of the plane. There were two Secret Service agents standing at the door, making sure that no one got back there. Okay, Um, and so I do believe that uh, while they were in, a couple of things happened uh, while they're. Flying back to Washington D.C., sure. I think they switched caskets. I think they uh, the damage to the back of the president's head uh, to make it look like he actually had been shot from behind. And uh, and in fact, one of the uh, uh, one of the people uh, at uh, Bethesda uh, when they got there made a comment about there's been surgical repair to the back of the head. So it's clear that uh, somebody uh, uh, cosmetically altered the president's head uh, during that flight. Um, And there is a name that's always mentioned um, who we believe was on the flight. I cannot remember the gentleman's name. Jesse
0: Curry was on there.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, you look if you look at the photograph, uh, there's Jesse Curry in the photograph when Lyndon Johnson's being sworn in, and his face is right there. I don't know how he got uh, on Air Force One, uh, considering he's just a police chief, but yeah, he was there.
1: I did not know that. I'll have to look at and that. And he wrote
0: a book later on in life that Hoover ended up blackballing him and getting him discredited on everything, but he talked about he didn't believe that it was a lone assassin. He said he believed that it was someone like either lyndon johnson or someone that was involved from orchestrated power if i'm not mistaken i did the clip on it like months ago but yeah it's, a, it's really interesting because jesse curry's face on that thing i was giving him a lot of crap and so my buddy's like hang on a second he wrote a book and there was a reason why hoover went after
1: him uh-huh well i think the reason was to uh, you know, make sure he kept his mouth shut yeah uh, i mean that's the reason so many people disappeared and that's the reason why the Warren commission never called uh, anybody who had an opposing uh idea of what really happened on daily Point. Pl- they never took any testimony into account unless the people agreed with the fact that there were three shots and that oswald was the lone shooter and so uh what's interesting about curry um and that it's clear the dallas police were involved um, and that they had prior knowledge of the assassination now that immediately I think you can conclude that Curry was involved. And and how do we know the uh, Dallas police were involved? Because six weeks prior to Kennedy being assassinated, um, a gentleman who worked for the CIA by the name of Roscoe White uh, joined the Dallas police force as a photographic assistant or photographic interpreter, whatever the name they gave him, which basically gave him carte blanche to do whatever he wanted to do within the Dallas Police Department. Um, Interestingly enough, um, one of his uh, partners for a short while was um, J.D. Tippett, the uh, police officer that was shot at Tempton Patton. And when uh, uh, Roscoe White's son, Ricky, discovered his diary of assassinations that Roscoe had committed, Um, along with the name of President Kenny, was a statement um, an officer at Tempton, Pat. So Roscoe White, uh, we believe, actually killed uh, J.D. Tippett, not Oslo. Uh, And in fact, there were some people who claimed they saw two people running from the scene. Uh, One would have been uh, Roscoe White. The other, uh, I believe, was Jack Ruby. And there were Two different kinds of bullets found in jd tippett's body um so you can draw your own conclusions about what really happened to him but we think it was roscoe white in, back, in about... march of this year uh gary and i are going to uh uh meet with ricky in dallas and uh, have a discussion about all of that with him
0: what about the photograph with roscoe white um in the backyard with the rifle and the papers
1: yeah it's very interesting so uh, and and by the way most people by now should know uh that Roscoe uh knew Lee Harvey Oswald very well they had been in the Marines together stationed in Japan being uh photographs taken by the U-2 spy planes um so they were in the Marines together they knew each other et cetera et cetera uh, I believe, and I think many researchers believe that from the time they were in the Marines together, uh, the FBI was already keeping tracks of Oswald by this point. Um, Oswald was, in fact, a CIA employee and an FBI informant. We believe that from uh, uh, at least 1960 on, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was being groomed to be the Patsy. Uh, His friend in the Marines, Roscoe White, was being groomed to be the assassin, so it just it. it, it yeah. We talked about this earlier, Rob, on the other uh, podcast. That, that the more you dig, the more complex that entangles them all together. It, it's a it's a very well conceived and orchestrated plot or play to uh, have all of these things ultimately happen uh, in Dallas and after Dallas in 1963 um so you know it's it's Roscoe was it went you know when Ricky found his list of people he'd killed 28 people worldwide um, during and after the assassination including President Kennedy and officer JD Tippett both who were uh whose murders were laid on Oswald and never proven uh and in fact the lead investigator uh Jim, I think it was his last name, the guy in the white hat. Uh, oh, Jim win. Lavelle. Lavelle, thank you. Uh, Lavelle is on record as having said, now he believed Oswald was the, ass- also said, if he had ever gone to trial uh, based on the evidence, quote unquote, that we have out of him, he would have never been convicted in any court of law. So, you know, this is the lead investigator. So very interesting.
0: How how much evidence or how much uh, of the crime do you put on the collusion of the Dallas Police Department for manufacturing evidence and not giving Oswald the right to an attorney? I mean, there was an ACLU guy who visited, but it was a friend of Will Fritz. So he knew that he could have an inside man on that one. So whether he had a right to legal counsel, really, or was it just good on paper? I mean, how much do you place blame at the Dallas Police Department's feet for just
1: being a corrupt organization? Uh, Well, I think they were very corrupt. Um, And in fact, um, during that administration, the Curry-Fritz's administrations, um, there were a number of uh, uh, crimes committed in Dallas and in Texas that uh, were never solved. And afterwards, years later, when you have organizations who are, you know, trying to get people who are unjustly convicted out of prison and have convictions overturned, uh, there were more convictions overturned in the county than in the entire state of Texas, based on uh, fabricated or fictional evidence. Uh, and if you look at uh, many of the people who uh, went to their eternal lives, not to, you know, pretend it's funny, but um, there were so many that were never given should have happened under Texas law. No autopsy. Uh, uh, Johnson's sister, uh, Malcolm Wallace, uh, many, many others, no autopsy ever done. It's against Texas law. Um, so it's it, it speaks to the power uh of the people who were in power uh in, in those days in Texas um and in some days afterwards that they could just quote unquote bury uh anyone who might have had any evidence to show that they died by means other than how they actually died. You know, we believe Malcolm Wallace, well, we know he committed at least eight murders, but it could have been eighty, for all we know. Who knows? Uh, With all these people being buried with no autopsies, no one may ever know.
0: It leads, it leads you to look at corruption a little bit differently when you start examining things like 9-11 and other controversial huge topics in our history that have not gone away. You kind of see that where the government or the political figures are doing side deals and transactions and selling guns to both sides or doing all these collusional efforts that start to lead into why the American people has to suffer and other people across the world have to suffer for the actions of a select few.
1: Yep. Well, and what's interesting, Robbie, is that uh... – Um, I think, uh, what happened on, uh, November 22nd, 1963 was the beginning of American distrust with government. Okay. And, uh, it's, it's only gone on and become deeper since. I I think it is the worst day in American history, uh, for that reason. Up till then, uh, people revered the presidency. They had respect for it. Even if it was the other guy, you still had respect for it. And the parties actually worked together. And, and that all went away beginning in 1963 in Dallas. Um, you know, there was tremendous uh, uh, support against the Vietnam War, tremendous support. And you had organizations like the Students for the Liberation of Society and the Black Panthers and organizations like that that uh, emerged. Uh, in the mid to late 60s, that were all outgrowths of American, Americans distrusting their government, quite honestly. Um, and it, it's it's only gotten worse since, in, in my opinion. I, I, I would be hard-pressed to believe there's more than 50% of Americans who trust their government. In fact, I'd be surprised if it's more than 30%, because well, they you, haven't given us a reason to trust them.
0: Yeah, but why do you think nobody ever stands their ground on anything? It's always got to boil down to a two-party system. It's always got to boil down to conspiracies. If you talk about a military-industrial complex or a deep state, it's like, well, I mean, presidents have mentioned it throughout history. For God's sakes, I'm having more respect for Truman on the basis of some words that he said towards the ending of his administration. He's very uh, clear about corrupt agencies, especially the Central Intelligence Agency. I mean, he asked after Dag Hammershaw's death, he made a press announcement saying, He was on the verge of getting something done when they killed him. Notice how I said they killed him. And no press people followed up on that.
1: Of course, because by that time, the press was already in bed, the media already in bed. With whoever that organization was, Robbie, whether whether it was a deep state going way back then or whether it was just simply a, a collusion that benefited everybody to not take into question things that our government did. You know, uh, now today, it's become very popular in the media to rail against the quote-unquote other party, okay, or the other guy, if you will. And uh, that that never happened. Even Johnny Carson, you know, at one point made a statement about, uh, you know, there's a reason I don't go in a a mean, vindictive way, like is so prevalent today uh, with people like... uh, Fallon and Kimmel, um, because they respected the office. And Carson said, "There's nothing to gain by by belittling our presidents and our politicians." And and he'd make fun of them, right? But he would never take them to task or criticize them for anything they had done. And if he if he did, it was it was in jest. Uh, and today you have these talking heads, and you know they'll just they'll. They'll go after these guys like junkyard dogs, um, if they're on the "quote unquote" other side, and you know. And you know, when you have the CIA in control of both CNN and Fox News, you know, purposely telling different stories, uh, you got to wonder about everything, every level of our government, um, and even, you know, it, it it boils down, it filters down to local governments. How many times do you read in, in your hometown daily newspaper about a local politician who's all of a sudden brought up on charges of corruption, bribery, uh, whatever? That stuff didn't happen back in the day. I mean, and, and if it did, it, 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 it wasn't, uh, you know, it was usually, I don't know, maybe they thought they were doing the right thing. I'm not saying, you know.
0: You can't you can't do anything when you're in that position. There's a lot like I, what is it, 223 members of our House of Representatives in Congress that are funded by Big Pharma or that are influencing bills on the basis of that. If you're on the outside of that and you speak out against that, you better hope to God you ain't walking to your car when a crowbar hits you in the back of the head. Like that's you're you're going to get screwed over because you're messing with these people's financial interests. Now, you're not messing with their political power.
1: Yeah, and let's not forget that Big Pharma is totally in bed with the healthcare system. Right. Oh, no shit. No, that's... Uh, Robbie, I'm going to tell I you think something. Everybody's
0: nope. in agreement on that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, I am. And that's why you go to one doctor because you have high blood pressure and he's going to prescribe a pill. And you'll go to another doctor and he's going to prescribe a different pill. Why? Because they're in bed with that particular manufacturer.
0: Right. Laurie Little is the one that's quoted saying that our duty is to our shareholders, not to our clients.
1: Uh, Yes, absolutely. And uh, I believe today uh, there's already a cure for cancer. I believe there's a cure for Alzheimer's. I believe there's a cure for baldness. I believe there's a a cure for almost everything that uh, afflicts our people today in, in terms of health. And why won't it ever Uh, be brought to public because look how much money these people would lose how much power they would lose it's sobering to think that way but i'm convinced i'll go to my grave convinced that these cures already exist i don't know about the cancer cure
0: but i will say that they do not fund a lot of money into cancer research they only focus on cancer medications
1: Well, there's one thing that is common to all cancers at the at, at the base of all cancer is rapid cell multiplication. So these cancer cells get into your body and they take over. They consume everything. Right. And they keep multiplying. So that's a common denominator. You can't tell me that they haven't figured out a way to, uh, you know, get that early and, and kill it so that it doesn't spread to the body. Uh, with it being, you know, one cause for all cancers, believe me, somebody's, somebody's cured that already.
0: No, they're, they're too worried, focused on how to get to Mars. That's what they're worried at. We can send a fucking rocket into outer space and burn all that gas in the air. Yet we have to try and eliminate cows because they're affecting the climate.
1: Yeah. Now I guess it's a fact that, uh, well, I heard it one time that, uh, the leading cause of the, uh, uh, erosion of the, uh, uh, what do they call it? The, uh, whatever, that protects us, protects our atmosphere, the erosion of, uh, well, that the, the single biggest cause of that, uh, was methane, uh, from cows. Um, but actually it's methane from, uh, automobiles that affects that more than, uh, the cows. So the cows are being unfairly blamed. Methane
0: from, you mean just, I don't think it's methane. I think it's something else. Methane from cows. The cars don't do methane.
1: Well, I, there is some other cause, I think, that is uh, uh, unless your car is running on farts. <laughs> well, uh, well, and that's another thing. I mean, this whole nonsense with electric vehicles—it's—it's it's ludicrous because uh, you know the, the charging stations are run on diesel fuel uh, for those vehicles, <laughs> and uh, uh, and. Uh, just disposing of those batteries uh, when they're you know used up is more harmful to the environment than anything beforehand. You know, any kind of fossil fuel. So uh,
0: well, especially if you believe like a lot of the Kennedy stuff and you go into the history books and like the real dark, corrupted politics parts, you're going to be very fearful if you're if every vehicle is going to be automatic driving. I think Ford Motor Company put out some type of commercial that was, and like I said, this is a kind of more conspiratorial, but they talked about that, like if you missed payments and I've talked to people about autonomous vehicles before and they, they're like, yeah, you can't drive your car. Like your company could just lock the car if they wanted to. And I was like, but what would cause that? They're like, if you broke a law and I was like, well, what's a law? There are some dumb laws, man. Like connecting to someone else's wifi is illegal. You can get arrested for that, but a lot of people don't know that, but he was just mentioning, like, if you didn't pay a bill or something like that. I was like, yeah, but Ford just put out that if you missed a car payment, they could turn off the heat to your car. So imagine being in the middle of winter, you miss a car payment. They're just like, okay, you're going to go without heat if you're going to keep driving.
1: But I don't think that's ever happened, to the best of my knowledge.
0: Well, no, because we don't have the vehicles there for that. It's the new. That's what I'm saying. Ford just put out a thing about that.
1: Well, um, this – the. The self-driving vehicle is a, is a two-edged sword, in my opinion. I've dreamed about vehicles that would drive themselves since I was a young young boy. Uh, here's why it'll never happen. Immediately, you, uh, you cut the legs from the insurance industry. You cut the legs out of the uh, automotive uh, repair parts industry, uh, the, the collision industry, the trucking industry, the bus industry. Um, because there will be no more accidents. There will be no more drunk drivers. There will be no more uh, old drivers who shouldn't be driving. There will be no more young children, young teenagers dying of speeding, okay? All those things go away. And the economic impact of that is so broad, so sweeping, and so monetary, uh, it'll never happen. They could do it today. And they have auto, do...
0: they have automatic driving ones. I, there's a video of a person that didn't pay their car payment, and the the company repoed the car back by just having the car drive itself back to the
1: lot. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I, the technology is already there, Robbie. They, they they could do it if they wanted to. right well, it's, now. It's so we could risky. Been, we could have been driving. Uh, high, we could have been occupants in vehicles that would drive themselves for 10 to 15 years going back. It's so easy to do it. It's so easy to do it.
0: I don't want that to happen though, because I do not trust the whoever's in power that's gonna be able to lock my car if I can't use it.
1: Uh, yeah, the trust word is never brought up in any of those conversations. I
0: mean, because... you can... Say it's a conspiracy, but when you look at like 9-11 and all the things we gave up after 9-11 and the idea of safety, I mean, are we really safer as a country? We're still going to wars all the time. We're Right now, the Gaza uh, issue with the Palestines and the Israel, I mean, we're funneling money for weaponry to Israel. What, what is it? $3.8 billion as of now, the day that we're recording this, since October 2023. And then we're also doing financial, not financial aid. We're doing medical aid for the people in Gaza. So you're funneling the weapons for the people that are bombing the people that we're also taking care of health-wise. What is that? I don't understand that. That's ridiculous.
1: Because uh, America and the state of Israel have been bedfellows for years and years, decades, and they are the guardians of our oil interests in the Gulf, and so. We have to, we're in a deadly embrace with Israel. People don't understand that we are, like it or not. Uh, we could hate the Israelis, but we're still going to be in bed with them to protect our oil interests in the Mideast. And and so that's why, and by the way, uh, $3.8 billion pales in comparison to what we've given to the Ukraine. And why are we involved there at all? Kennedy, if Kenny was alive today, he would go, it's their war, let them fight it. Okay, we have no business being involved, except oh, we're afraid of Russia. Well, Ukraine was part of Russia. Okay, it's Russia wanting back. What is Russia?
0: You know, let them find it. That's a da- that's a dangerous subject. But hold on, we're gonna. I'm gonna ask about Joseph because that's what we got to get to that. But for the Vietnam thing in the beginning, it's he sent eighteen thousand mix of troops and advisors to Vietnam with a plan by the end of 1963 to withdraw 1,000 troops, and by the end of 1965, have all the rest of the troops and all the advisors pulled out. That was the uh, thing that comes on history.com, and that's what most historians go by. Like I said, agnostic on it, because I like to think he would have pulled out, but from what I've communicated with with other historians, that's their model of what they go on. So. Yeah. Just thought I'd clear I that. I wonder
1: uh, would, if those historians would lay the uh, the blame for that at the feet of Johnson.
0: I don't, I mean, I don't really blame the Johnson for it either, but that's just because I, I have a different perspective, but I'm, I don't know. I like to look at Johnson's deeper politics on things. Like I said, I think you already know, I don't think Johnson did it, but I'm happy to listen to that one and hear your perspective on it. But why did he kill his sister? Well, that's the real I, question.
1: Well, I'm not going to let you off the hook on the other one first. Um. Uh, Johnson, um, at one point after he had issued uh, the executive order to uh, increase our presence in Vietnam, whether it was with advisors or soldiers or equipment, uh, said, there, you've got your goddamn war, okay? That was payback. That was Johnson's payback to Texas oil, to the American industrial military complex and others uh, for... Helping him get into office, and um, it's it's one of the reasons ultimately he was consumed with guilt uh, for having increased our presence in Vietnam and all of the horror and tragedy uh, that that came with it. You know, you talk about fifty five thousand dead Americans. Let's talk about the number who came back with physical and mental wounds, right? Without limbs, without sight. Uh, Wait, what is this? What is this rebutting? What what is this rebutting? I'm saying that Johnson's increasing our presence in Vietnam was payback uh, to some of the industries and organizations that helped him uh, get rid of Kennedy and come into office. You know, he, quote unquote, owed them. And this was to some degree. It was his payback. I don't think he even wanted to be in vietnam to tell you the truth but i think he i think he again i think he was in a, a deadly embrace with those organizations and he had to give them something back and at one point he said here's your goddamn war um
0: i know but you said you weren't gonna let me go on the point so i, I just don't know what the point was you weren't gonna let me go on I agree that he increased troop involvement in Vietnam. There's not a conflict about that. But I, unless you're conflicting the point of me saying that uh, he killed Kennedy, I don't believe he killed Kennedy. I think he made a lot of. I don't know why he would reject the Warren Commission privately in private conversation. If he, why would you not keep your ass covered?
1: You don't believe Johnson killed Kennedy?
0: I don't. I think I've told you this multiple. I mean, times. I know he didn't put the gun to his head. I know that, but I just, I, I just, I don't. I think he he definitely covered it up a hundred percent. I just don't think he was a, one of the, I believe, military-industrial complex. And I think I've told you that multiple times.
1: I think they were involved. Okay. Uh, but I'd like like Texas Big Oil was involved, but I don't think, uh, do you think he had knowledge of the assassination? Oh, uh,
0: yeah, 100%. I think he had knowledge of it. I mean, you can call it an unwitting or not unwitting, um, a knowing accomplice. Yeah, but I just don't think the order came from him. I think it was a, uh, different it came from something else i believe deep state 100 percent
1: i don't think the order came from him either i okay. can't i think it came yeah so we're in agreement when, you, when
0: you say johnson was involved in killing kennedy people start thinking that he's the one that's calling the order so i don't i never believed that he was the one calling the shots on that one i think someone told him hey this is going down and he did not nothing in his power to stop that and you can tell afterwards i mean i think he was in charge of sending the limo to get repaired and he was also in charge of getting uh JFK's clothes washed.
1: Yes, and either he or the Secret Service, because they're the only two people who could have done it, changed the motorcade route two days before. It was never supposed to be on Houston or Elm. It was supposed to go straight for turning. And two days before, it changed. And the only two organizations that could have done that were the Secret Service or Lyndon Johnson. So, draw your own conclusions, but but that is a fact. Uh, the FBI can't change it. Uh, the American industrial and military complex can't change it. Um, Texas Big Oil couldn't change it. The Mafia couldn't change it. It was either Lyndon Johnson and or the Secret Service.
0: From the state. From the statements I've seen through the actual documentation, they state it was the Secret Service people that were talking to the Dallas Police Department about how the motorcade route was going to go, and that's when you start to see that the motorcade vehicles, the motorcycles on the left and right of Kennedy, were pushed to the back tires, and the excuse for that was that Kennedy didn't like how loud the motorcycle sounds were, and that's why they chose to do that. And the overall say of who does what or what goes on with the president, the Secret Service can override the president in any. Means to deem his safety, and so this this theory that JFK didn't want Secret Service near him is ridiculous. It, I don't it know. If, ridiculous. I don't know if Johnson had any idea of planning the route. I mean, even with the Connolly and the Yarborough incident, the reason why Yarborough wanted to ride with Kennedy and. Uh, Connolly was supposed to ride with Johnson was because Yarborough and Johnson were having an argument and disagreement. And that is based in the, just the documentation I can find on it. But then J- I don't know if it was JFK or if it was Connolly that wanted Yarborough to ride with Johnson because they knew that they didn't work on good terms, apparently, since they arrived in Dallas.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think Kenny said he either rides with you or he walks. Yeah. Uh, regards- Yarborough. Um, so Um anyway, you asked me about Josepha. So she was uh Johnson's sister, and uh you know they were close, okay. Uh she knew all his dirty secrets. Her Achilles heel and what caused her to uh be done away with was that she was a drunk and a drug user. And and this is all can be verified, and Johnson ultimately became afraid that uh you know under the spell of one or the other that she would uh start to blab all of his dirty little secrets and uh ordered malcolm wallace to do away with her and so uh they were all at a christmas party on christmas eve johnson wallace josepha and others and uh after the party and and uh, Mal- malcolm wallace had 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 at one point had had an affair with her. so he knew her very well and uh, I think it was either that night or sometime before Johnson said to Malcolm Wallace we gotta get rid of her so Malcolm Wallace at some point Josepha leaves I think she lived in Fredericksburg uh, which is not too far from Johnson City and uh, goes home and at some point Malcolm Wallace arrived, and uh, uh, ultimately she was found in her car, supposedly having died of carbon monoxide poisoning, which was Malcolm Wallace's MO. Okay, and uh, uh, we think what happened is he probably uh, had her knocked out with, you know, the handkerchief and some kind of thing that would knock her car and set the car up uh, to look like monoxide poisoning. And uh, that's how she died. Uh, She was immediately buried, no autopsy. Again, interesting. And, uh, you know, because they couldn't, you know, have anybody investigate, uh, you know, the the coroner deemed it suicide. And there you go, no autopsy. So it's very interesting that you you can have your own sister murdered on Christmas Day. um, And look yourself in the mirror. But either Johnson never looked himself in the mirror or was such a psychopath, which is what I believe he was, or not, not a psychopath, a sociopath. Yes, that he felt, yeah, he felt no remorse about anything he ever did in office because in his mind, it 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 just, it furthered his career and his ambition. And so anything and anyone was expendable. And if you thought, they could be a conduit to bringing his behavior or past actions uh into the light you would be disappeared so Lord knows how many people uh Malcolm Wallace actually did kill on behalf of Lyndon Johnson but I'll guarantee it was more than the eight that Billy Celestes, uh you know tried to uh bring into light to, to get himself out of uh, out of prison so it's good
0: Crazy! You can shoot a person at putt putt golf and then get off. That's ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and again, yeah. So Kinsey was having an affair with Josepha and with Malcolm Wallace's wife. So somebody could go. Well, Johnson didn't know about that, perhaps. But when uh, after a cold blooded murder in the, in in the full view of like twelve witnesses, and then he gets pulled over twelve some minutes later. Uh, by the highway patrol, he goes, you can't arrest me. I work for Senator Johnson. What? And then Johnson puts his buddy in charge as the judge, uh, gets a hotel room during all the proceedings. Uh, The jurors come back, 11 wanted the death penalty, one wanted life in prison without parole, and the judge immediately took their, uh, their verdicts into consideration, vacated that, sentenced to Wallace to five years of probation, and then let him walk out of prison. He's the only person in the history of the state of Texas to be convicted of first-degree murder and walk out of jail or walk out of the courtroom that same day of free man, all based on the influence and the power of Lyndon Johnson. So, pretty interesting. yeah. Good old it's, it's, yeah,
0: jumbo. I mean, Good old jumbo. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where can Great. people where can people find your links uh, mr
1: brennan um so there's a link uh, a website that my co-authors and i have um, it's it, and we're arguing really we should change the name right now it's uh the, the jfk dot the jfk Wait, assassination
0: say it, say it again your your mic cut out say
1: it again okay it's a website www.thejfkassassination.com now there's other a lot of other stuff out there. Uh, there's our book and DVD on uh, JFK Jr. Uh, there's a book on RFK. There's a book on JFK. There's a book on Oswald. And there's a book on Operation Mockingbird, which is CIA control of all the media. And some of the lies we've been told about some of uh, the important events in history, uh, like uh, the murder of JFK Jr., the murder of uh, uh, Dorothy Kilgallen, uh, the Hale Boggs mystery, and other things like that. And, and as I said, our next book is going to be based on on LBJ, um, and it's going to be quite a controversial book. Someone actually said, why don't you write a book about Hillary? Well, because yeah. she's still now. alive. Who she's still alive, shit? number one. She's not going
0: to sue. She's just going to come after you with everything she got.
1: And that's what concerns us. I'm not afraid of the CIA. I'm not afraid of the FBI. I'm afraid of Hillary.
0: <laughs> I'm afraid of Hillary, too, but I'll keep talking. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I want I want to keep talking. I want to keep breathing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr.
0: Brennan, I'm going to link all your links in the description. It's been a pleasure chatting with you again. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Out of Blank. Stay tuned for next episode.